0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: back to fishnets and philosophy this is your host mix bell marigan and once again i am taking you on a journey into exploring the question why horror where each week myself and a different guest try and unpack this fun question so before we jump into the discussion I am once again welcoming back to the pod the wonderful Blaine Waterloo so before we jump in if you could just introduce yourself and say what it is that you kind of do in your connection to horror.
2: Yay hey thanks before I get into it thank you so much for having me back I love it here and I love you. (laughs) Um, but my name is Blaine Waterloo. I am just a hot young thing <laughs> who loves horror movies. Um, I am a contributing editor for Fangoria. I have a podcast called Ladies and Ligaments, um, and I am a copy editor slash editor for the anthology of Hear Us Scream. Um, that's actually where Belle and I met. Um, so I've got, you know, some things going on, and I try to keep it you know what, when I was thinking of how to like talk about myself and introduce myself, you know, those, those colors that were going around and it described you as like a different creepy person based on the color associated, Mm. (laughs) um, (laughs) I got a lot of pink and purple and pink was like super perky, but definitely possessed. And purple was exhausted vampire who's just doesn't give a fuck anymore. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of introducing myself. If you can just imagine basically an Aquarius Capricorn (laughs) mix, that's me.
1: (laughs) Brilliant. I love the imagery perfect and I'm also just like <laughs> anytime I hear purple in my head my head immediately goes bisexual disaster because that's like oh, yeah, what purple exactly. is associated with in my Same. brain <laughs> perfect <laughs> but no thank you so much for coming back and um, I was a host on or a host a guest on your show as well which I had great fun with so yes I'm excited to welcome you back and yeah for this series the why horror series I like to kick each conversation off with this first question because I know every horror fan has an answer to it and I just like hearing the different films that the guests give me so for yourself what was the first horror film that you remember watching and then slightly related because sometimes the answers can be different what was the horror film that made you a fan of horror?
2: So, um, much like you, I grew up just surrounded by horror. I don't Mm -hmm. know that there was ever a formal introduction to anything scary. It was just like, hey, this is part of our life, so welcome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was like put up or shut up kind of deal. Um, And so, uh, my half-brother, who I grew up with, didn't really embrace that, uh, Mm. you know, genre or, or the whole concept in itself. It didn't really click with him. But, you know, for me, it was... It, it was, I loved all of the creepy crawly things. I was definitely one of those children making potions in the backyard and trying to convince other kids that I was a witch and I could make things happen. Um, so that was right up my alley. I, I remember when I first learned to read, I tried to tell my parents that I could read Anne Rice and it was fine. Just let me read Anne Rice. And then they had me read a page and they're like, do you understand what happened? I was like, yeah, it was perfect. And I explained it to them. They're like, nope, that's not ex- at all what happened. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, what i remember i remember my first um interaction with horror being i was sleeping over at my aunt's house i couldn't have been more than maybe 5 and she was watching mtv cuz she was still like you know a teen or something mm. like that and she a uh, thriller came on and it was the music video and everything like that so i spent the rest of that length of time was it like five six minutes Mm. you you know include all of the theatrics um (laughs) I spent that entire time behind the couch but peeking every once in a while like (laughs) oh oh, okay I hate that but I love it so much um (laughs) and uh so fast forward a few years later um I can't remember which year it came out but Bats with (laughs) Lou Diamond Phillips (laughs) came out and for some reason that was finally the time that Uh, the parental figures I grew up with like sat me down and were like, you know, you're gonna watch some things and (laughs) you're gonna want to share about them. But (laughs) some people won't get it and they're gonna tell their parents and it's just gonna be a mess. So whatever you see here in this movie, (laughs) just keep it to yourself it's fine to talk about here but just keep it to yourself and that was kind of like really meshed well with the abuse that was going in the home so like it was like cool we don't talk about horror movies outside of the house we don't talk about anything else either so it it worked um but I think when I finally saw bats and I realized that there were people who didn't want to watch this stuff Mm. there was that contrarian in me who was like oh okay I get it and so I'm looking for things to really appreciate about it like the the awesome effects that you know based on who you ask might not be so awesome um Mm. in bats it was so cool the bats themselves were awesome and Lou Diamond Phillips is gorgeous and so at that young age I was like okay I think I get it like the violence through it all was was very cathartic Mm. because even at that young age I was internalizing a lot of an inability to express myself so Mm. you know when you start to internalize a lot of that certain images or you know things that you see in media become very cathartic in a way like a a lot of horror fans a way to express that part of you that was so repressed um so that's where it really started and then as I got older and I was more isolated I guess at home I you know really just dug into whatever was available on um on demand or you know what we had in the house I was digging through all of the different stuff trying to find something um that other people weren't talking about Mm. so there was a lot of the lesbian vampires or you know was the vampire happening or something like that those kind of kitschy schlocky kind (laughs) of like nc-17 films and Mm. i was like this is my shit and (laughs) it just felt good to be into something that other people weren't and was just mine that i could Mm. feel all the feelings through so that's a long story short yeah
1: no i love that and uh everything like i love like you're also saying that you know you didn't have like there was wasn't like a formal introduction it was kind of just like hey this is what we're into and like As I've been like talking to all the different guests for this series, like I'm definitely noticing that it's very 50 50 that either it's the case that someone is just surrounded by horror from like the moment they're born or they have like that guiding hand and a parental figure kind of going here. This is this wonderful world that we're going to introduce you to or it's someone who comes from a very like conservative household and it's more of an act of rebellion. It's like, it's very 50 50. It's either horror fans come down in one camp or the other I've noticed. And it's really fascinating. But I love that bit when you were talking about the thriller video, it's like kind of like, Oh, I don't like that, but Oh, I also want to watch it. I don't like, and I think like, that's why I'm doing this series. Cause just the con like horror fans just fascinate me. Like same as like I fascinate myself. Like it's this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, this whole thing of like, you know, why we come back to these things that in many ways do terrify us, like we constantly seek it out and come back to it. Whereas like any other, like you know, film fan is kind of like, nope, don't like that and never revisits and horror fans are yeah. like, no, no, we we want to dig deeper, we want to go back into it. Um, but I really love it's that
2: interesting uh, that you mentioned yeah. that part because I mean it does lend itself to why for so long <laughs> people identified horror fans as perverts um, mm. and that's something we can definitely delve into with the other questions you have in here but yeah it 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 tied it I think that's why horror is such a great home for so many taboo things because it It's such a great bucket for other people to throw us in and just say, yeah, you're a pervert. You don't like what we like. And (laughs) um, I like that we're at this point now in horror history. We're like, thank you thank you so much (laughs) like we don't want to be anything like you
1: (laughs) exactly we don't want to be one of the normies we're very happy in our little corner here please now leave us alone um (laughs) yes but yeah actually just that's actually the perfect point to bring in that one of the questions that I have then thank you for introducing it um but also like just before I actually ask the question it's just like that's like the word pervert is one that I find like so like I have such an odd relationship to it because I'm just like Well, like the whole concept of it is that it comes from this like shaming stance of like anything that's not heteronormative, is non normative, is considered wrong and taboo and perverted. And I'm just like, so like it comes like calling someone or judging someone as, oh, that's a pervert is like basically like judging any because them for not being normative. So I'm always just like, I like to kind of in some ways embrace pervert as in like no yeah i'm of course i'm a fucking pervert i'm a kinky pervert but then on the other side like sometimes when you're discussing horror films and there can be a character who's like really An sleazy. Yeah, who's really sleazy and stuff like that. I want to be like, no, that character is like a pervert, but in a bad way, but I don't want it to be used in a bad way. And it's like a constant yeah. catch 22 of like, no, I want to reclaim it because like there's nothing wrong with being into like, you know, kinky stuff. once you're not harming anyone else with non consensually and all this yeah. type of stuff. But then on the flip side, some people are really creepy and it's like, how do you describe <laughs> them without? judging other oh it's a it's a whole thing but
2: <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because when we talk about the word pervert and how truly it was meant to talk about pedophiles and people mm-hmm. who actually defiled others and took pleasure in other people's disgrace or you know uncomfortability or or whatever mm-hmm. um and it has been so bastardized over the years Because the people in power are actually the perverts doing all these terrible Mm -hmm. things. And they want very much to redefine that, to reflect on the people who are just trying to be their fucking selves and Mm -hmm. live their lives. And, you know, it allows those people in power to, I guess, um, flip the onus and, uh, I guess, deflect um, from their own failings. So, yeah, I love love this new meaning of pervert. I want to reclaim it. I want to be... I want to be among the pervs. I think also there's a good way. I think if we say perv, yes, I'm a perv. But if you talk about yeah. <laughs> a pervert, then you get the nasties in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good like way to distinguish. Oh yeah, I'm I'm pervy. I'm I'm a perv. Yeah, I'm not a pervert though. That's a different thing. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good <laughs> distinction. I like that. But actually, just that point of like you know it's been flipped on its head by those people in power we're seeing that happen as we speak now with the word groomer it's essentially the same thing as groomer was used to literally talk about pedophiles and doing something that's absolutely disgusting and is now just being applied to anyone who's queer and it's just like oh they're totally a groomer like in the UK particularly and I think it's happening in the US as well and actually it's unfortunately happening in Ireland too but like anytime that there's like You know drag queens that are doing like you know readings at libraries and stuff like that are now being like basically like attacked by alt-right conservative freaks and and in the bad way freaks (laughs) but um yeah it's just so frustrating but yeah it's like those in power flip the words that they now no longer have the meaning that there was originally intended and it's so frustrating to see it happening like it's Oh yeah, again um...
2: and again and as long as we continue to give voice to those people who will Mm -hmm. um i guess flip the switch on us or who will um i guess enable others who will do the same if we keep quiet if we continue to accept that oh well they say that stuff but they don't mean it like words have power and that's how you know we got here to like calling calling people who are just expressing themselves fucking groomers like that mm. that sends me up a goddamn wall because you know what <laughs> when we talk about words and reclaiming them I'm sure you know at the point or you know in a lot of people's lives the word pervert really hits them and hurts mm-hmm. and they don't want to reclaim that yeah. and so when we talk about groomers at, at this point in history I really I I cannot picture a time and i i hope it comes but i can't picture a time when people reclaim groomer or you know um try to you know to use it in a in a non uh, i guess um a a not slur
1: yeah exactly and yeah i can't like i can't imagine ever having a positive slant like you know like i and I don't envision that ever happening but yeah the fact that it's being used the way it is now is just so frustrating Um, but that leads into kind of like not the same way but just as you brought it up like one of the questions linking to talking about being pervy and perversion and I guess perverts as well but this is something that like I don't know if I muted myself
2: (laughs) Happens a time.
1: Oh, I know. Um, and <laughs> gather myself. I don't know if this is something that is actually happening. If I'm just so much of a kinky perv that it seems that it's happening, but it feels to me that so much of like our media, like both films, TV shows, are like becoming like really sanitized and in some ways like desexualized. Even like if we're having like sex scenes, they're not sexy and I want to know like to me it feels like horror is like kind of refusing to go down that route and I want to know like what you think about that do you think that what I've what I'm noticing is a trend that is actually there like I want to know what your thoughts are on this
2: so yeah I mean (laughs) I think especially because we are more of a streaming generation Mm. um, there I'm unable to really I'm unable to discern those, um, that media that's made by, I guess, lifetime style um, Mm. production companies or those that are made by like an HBO style uh, production company. If it's not horror, I have a hard time distinguishing, Mm. like, Mm. is this like sanitized content? Is it supposed to be sanitized? (laughs) It's supposed to be like rainbows and fairies and Mm. like, you know, just weird stuff that just doesn't seem genuine um so yeah I do think that because you know horror has you know been this bucket this dumping ground for you know the quote-unquote perverts for mm. the horny the the disgusting the gross um it is been such a refreshing and kind of like good for her moment mm. where horror is now just like no look at it Look at it. You wanted to, you know, you wanted to be, um, you know, big bad horror fan so bad you wanted to complain about X, Y, and Z. Look at it. Um, mm. you know, I, I love the idea that to be a horror fan now, you have to get with the times, um, mm. and you have to be a lot more genuine in your own self as well as you know in presenting yourself to the world. I think, um, to I think being a prude now is just how, how do you function in a Mm -hmm. world um, where you are living up to this expectation that isn't, isn't real. And you're seeing that it's not real in every facet of life, through the news, through social media, through, you know, TV shows, through movies. Um, I think, you know, while horror, especially during times of crisis in history, like during the great depression, Mm -hmm. um, you know, has always been a a home for revolutionary style storytelling while the rest of the world maybe softens what Mm. we see. Um, So I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now uh, to an extent. But overall, I also want to note that Disney (laughs) is taking over so much that Mm. I think, you know, With their values having shown through over the past few years, it makes sense that more media that we're consuming that isn't necessarily horror, because God forbid Disney touches horror. I mean, at this point, I don't want them to. (laughs) But, um, you know, we're going to see a lot more, I guess, censorship or sanitization or just why aren't you moving during sex? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, oh yeah and like it's that's such a good point and it's like it brings it up like it's one of those like things that like I have to like constantly like reconcile with myself because like I'm a huge comic book geek nerd whatever mm-hmm. term someone wants to use so I love the Marvel films like I love comic books like it feels like a golden age to be a comic book fan because we're seeing all these things being made. So I'm just like, yay, this is so exciting and cool, but also, Oh, one corporation that's owning so much of what we're getting. Oh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but also, yay, the things I like are being made. So it's like a, a hard thing to kind of reconcile with, but that's such a strong point. Like, and it's also, you know, even though we're seeing like in some of the, like, particularly like let's take MCU films, for example, more and more they're like you know they are leaning into more diversity and progressiveness like with more kind of like women characters front and center some character, like for example in the Doctor Strange film the character America Chavez like has a pride pin the entire movie and stuff like that but even though in some ways they are moving in what you know the direction they should have been from the start <laughs> they cut that out for other markets that are more conservative, and it's just kind of like, no, stick to your val, like stick to your values. Like, you know, I'd rather see a company go, you know what? I'd rather less money and the story be genuine than sacrifice the story for money. Like, and Absolutely. it's it's frustrating from that set- standpoint. But I like how you actually mentioned like the whole thing about um. Actually, before I was going to talk about bring in the question about censorship, before I go there, like that mentioning of social media, like I think that that's another big crux of I think where this, I don't know, weird mass prudishness is coming from, because these social media companies are run by like what seems to be very kind of like, at least, you know, conservative in some ways people and any form of self-expression especially if you're queer a sex worker any anything that basically isn't cis white (laughs) able-bodied and you get punished for any form of self-expression and god forbid you want to be showing any form of nudity unless you're a famous celebrity (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's influencing like i don't know if it's like which comes first if society is influencing social media or if society is responding to social media it's like a weird thing of i'm not sure which is which and then by an by by an extension the media we're getting is the media Mm -hmm. we're getting because of where society is going or is it responding to it it's i i don't know but i think like that's what i love about horror as a subgenre or as a genre of film because horror has always been a reflection of the society that's making it so i think like it's interesting if we for example take a film that was out this year the film x by ty west it's very much like kind of going no fuck this we're being very much sex on camera sex on screen nudity on screen because it's like not happening anymore. And like <laughs> I think like Ty West is doing really interesting stuff as a filmmaker. But um
2: Absolutely. Well yeah. I, you know, I wonder in terms of nudity, mm. you know, we've gotten um I guess we we've always had a lot of nudity in horror, right? Yeah. Um, but in terms of. But from a different I guess, lens
1: for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, but in terms of, I guess, other genres or other mm. production companies, um, you know, those arenas are really heavily operated and owned by dinosaurs <laughs> whose <laughs> values are really archaic and who you know their number one goal is money so they're going Mm -hmm. to sanitize they're going to cut they're going to do what they need to do to make as many people happy uh, and sacrifice the content and the process Um, and you don't see that as much with horror um, Mm. which is which is really just so heartening but in terms of you know you also have a lot of people in power outside of horror who Are predatory um Mm -hmm. and you know we're seeing a lot of reckoning with that um a lot of which i would love to see more of in horror uh, um more people um being held accountable um but we're seeing a lot of it outside of it which is great and you know can influence that to an extent But I think it's also going to lend itself to why more people aren't willing necessarily to get uh, nude on set and why more people aren't writing nude or sex scenes um, because they don't want to, quote unquote, risk it, um, Mm. which is just... So shitty because they'd rather do that than actually take accountability for the directors they're hiring for the people that they're employing. And making sure Um, you
1: have intimacy coordinators on set. You know, because that's what they're there for. (laughs) 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 Oh, right. What was who there wasn't there like some celebrity recently who like went on a rant about how they're awful? I can't remember who it was. Oh, Sean Bean. Yeah, Sean Bean went on a thing about intimacy coordinators are ruining the wow. on-screen on chemistry and it's just like would you say the same thing about like you know stunt coordinators or yeah, like exactly. you know like you what... just
2: don't want to be accountable for what mm-hmm. you're doing
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and it's just like oh just yeah but then, that actually <laughs> leans into one of the questions which we kind of like briefly kind of like actually you mentioned it and touched on it earlier but it's one question which I think is something that every horror fan has this discussion in their groups of friends or just internally but it's something where I never really know where to plant my flag and even like after every discussion I've had so far in this series I'm still kind of in like a grey area with it because I don't think there is a black and white but I want to know like how do you feel about when it comes to like censorship? Like, do you think that there are lines that you can't cross when it comes to what can be represented or portrayed? Or do you think that art is art and in most ways, everything should be permissible?
2: So I want to start this off by talking about um, a fantastic show that just aired this year. um, Pretty Little Liars, original sin. Mm. So Two of the characters, uh, um, along with a few more, I, I'm, I'm, we're led to believe, um, are sexually assaulted. And mm. at one point, we are shown the night that it happened through their eyes. But at no point are we actually seeing any violence, mm. uh, inflicted. We are given so much, um, I guess ex- ex- exposition <laughs> right. uh, is the word. We're given so much exposition. We're given so much actual visceral storytelling that we don't need the additional I guess um imposing imagery which you know lends itself to it can be everything can be done in a way that is respectful to Mm -hmm. the viewer I think there's a big feeling or a big mindset out there that fuck your feelings let this artist make their art Mm. Um, and while to a certain extent I can agree with that and understand and sympathize, yes, just let this person make, you know, what they set out to make, um, I do believe that there is a responsibility to be respectful of the viewer, um, whether that be, like I said, in Pretty Little Liars Original Sin, not actually explicitly showing um any of the violence that may be mm-hmm. triggering to others or simply including a trigger warning. Whether well, I'm a big proponent of trigger warnings in general, mm-hmm. but I think they should also be, you know, in the rating uh, when you see a trailer online. Like if, if it's been rated yet, include the trigger warning. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have to lose by yeah. uh, including that? So yes, I I do think there is a level of responsibility um for the artist, but to an extent I also think that we are responsible for what we consume.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and our responsibility is not just sitting in front of the screen and letting all of this stuff wash over us. Mm-hmm. Um I think we have to be responsible viewers in terms of doing our own research before going in. Yeah. Um, demanding uh, changes in terms of what information is available to us. Um, before going into this these experiences, and you know, I guess doing that personal work too. Mm-hmm. Um, making checking in with yourself and making sure you're mentally healthy enough in that moment to consume um any media that might be harmful to you so in terms of no it's not black and white there's a gradient there is you know there are tiers of responsibilities that both the viewer and the creators have to each other um and when you break that down when you break down that those responsibilities or or um whisk them away in one manner or another you're alienating the people you set out to share your art with Um, Mm -hmm. and the message you know um, that you may have intended it risks even more not landing with your um, people Mm -hmm. so yeah there's there's a whole gamut of what can be done versus what's being done versus the um, the long way we have to go to keeping everyone safe but also informed
1: yeah no it's like that's like that's really what it's such a nuanced kind of question like there isn't like and I think like that's the best way to engage with it is to kind of realize the nuances of it like because I think it's something that if you take like a black and white iron fist approach then you run the risk of like you know going that mass sanitization route of like kind of going we're not allowed to have any form of quote-unquote problematic media because you know that's what horror a lot at the end of the day is the best genre for is allowing us to confront some of the most harmful parts of society and human existence like in a cathartic way and and that's why I think like you know let's as you brought up like you know with Pretty Little Liars like you know which I haven't seen but I'll have to seek it out and um, because I'm hearing it leans into horror a lot so that sounds cool oh, definitely. Um but like particularly with the you know rape revenge or sexual assault subgenre of horror like I think as you said there's ways to do it well in the sense like let's say Carly Fargate's movie Revenge which is very much like knows how much to kind of show and how much not to show so that the rest of the film feels more cathartic as the character is getting her revenge whereas there are other films like that are more gratuitous and all about actually showing you it and I'm just like to me it really comes down to the filmmaker's intent like why is this here like is this here just for shock value or is there a reason for it to be on screen and that tends to be my approach and I think like you said you know viewers have to kind of like take on our our own responsibility of what we're able to handle that's why i think rating systems are a good thing you know like rather than censorship in someone in like an ivory tower of a studio kind of going no nobody is allowed to see this actually just applying a rating and kind of going look this is mature for this age if you're below this rating you probably can't handle it You know, and I think that's probably the best approach. But if we look at like, you know, the studio involvement complicates it as well, because again, it comes back to the fact that so much of so many films, TV shows are commercial products because we're in a capitalist hellscape. So (laughs) like movies will or studios will apply cuts so that they can achieve a lower rating to get more people in seats one of the examples that I'm hearing about recently is the movie Fall, which is just out in cinemas now, or, well, it is here in Ireland. I don't know if it was already out in theaters in America, but, like, apparently, I don't know if it will be the same here, but they cut out all the characters using the F word, because, yeah, apparently, like, that's one thing that I always find very strange about, like, America and, like, US is how like swear words and language is considered something that's like more offensive than gratuitous violence that's something i've right. never understood
2: <laughs> oh my god you and me both because i the older i get and the more like i see you know parents or you know uh, even mutuals who don't have children like putting so much more emphasis on the words that children are using uh, mm. as opposed to what they're consuming um it's it's like somehow there are so many people out there, it just doesn't connect. There's no connection. Um, and <laughs> well, one, there's no connection. And two, it's like, well, we can't do anything about the, you know, awful things that they're consuming because well gosh i have to go to work i have to do a b and c like (laughs) i can't raise my child um um, (laughs) but you know we regardless we we are now in an internet world where all of this information is available Mm -hmm. so it's it's easier to i guess um police our language than it is to police the violence that we're seeing everywhere or or police the you know other things that conservative people complain about people (laughs) yeah
1: I I love I love the emphasis on the conservative people because that's usually what it is and they're the ones making those decisions at the end of the day but that's like such like just actually like briefly kind of going back to like you know the MCU and Marvel films like I do kind of find it hilarious that it's like you know these films like are probably allowed like one swear word but oh you can watch like buildings collapsing in killing millions of people but because it's not on camera it's fine it's just okay so quick (laughs) quick story time
2: so I watched the new Doctor Strange Mm. um at home with my family and you know there's so much destruction because it's a Marvel movie like entire cities are going down (laughs) people's lives are ruined but you know what Captain America is alive so that's what matters um and at one point I was really excited because it's Sam Raimi movie Mm -hmm. and I, you know, associate Sam Raimi with all of the awesome gore um, that we love him for and not with (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, So so when, you know, there's a a lot of violence and whatnot. And at one point I'm like, wow, I really expected that to be bloodier. And Mm. my father (laughs) was like, it's a Disney, it's a family movie. I'm like, what? you're going to get caught up on blood Uh, while people are like completely being ruined. How many people were in that building that Hulk just threw around? Like (laughs) we're watching Godzilla and you are so much more concerned with, you know, what is Millie Bobby Brown going to say, as opposed to this giant gorilla is being murdered on top (laughs) of civilizations. Um, So (laughs) yeah, like I said, the disconnect um, Mm. between, you know, what we can control as, and how we can deem that acceptable and what we can't control and what we're just going to let happen and say, well that's life. Like it, it it's um it's infuriating.
1: 100 percent And actually I like that you mentioned like there is like this type of disconnect because it's something that actually just today on Twitter, like there's a lot of discourse going around mm-hmm. a certain film. And I don't know
2: what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: I know. But um one of your <laughs> responses like there is this and I, it's something that I'm kind of like um noticing a lot but there is this massive disconnect between like people are like I want to enjoy this thing so I'm just going to turn off my critical brain and like not actually acknowledge any of the potential problematic or harmful outcomes of this film existing and you know the specific film we're mentioning is like Darren Aronofsky's The Whale and which has Brendan Fraser in it and one of the reasons why there's a lot of discourse is that Brendan Fraser, who is a fat actor, wears a fat suit to make him appear bigger because that's what it's about. And it's called The Whale. <sighs> but this yes, also- Yeah, exactly. But this point also is just a- can be applied across the board to people engaging with films. And I think it, it links to this... Uh, again, it's a debate that a lot of horror fans also have to have... But um, the question that I originally had, and I think they're both linked, but like the question I have, like, is, you know, do you think that the concept of like the death of the author can be applied to films? Like, as in, in the sense that there's a filmmaker's intent, but there's also the viewer's takeaway from it. Do they exist in tandem? Is one more important to the other? But slightly linked to that, because I don't think you can really separate it is again, a horror fans dilemma that occurs a lot is can you separate art from artist? Which mm. I think that's something that sometimes it's a case of you can you can look at someone and go, Oh, you've just decided that you don't have a critical brain and <laughs> you're <laughs> just gonna support this film because you like it. You know, so I wanna know what you think. Do you think that there can be a separation or again, similar to censorship? Is it a very kind of more nuanced grey topic? And it depends. <laughs>
2: I think, yes. uh, Unfortunately, it depends. Um, I I think simply put, because we live in a capitalist society, You are not, uh, you know, I just finished telling my dad the other day, he was talking about, oh God, we were talking about the slap for some reason. I don't understand why white people can't let the fucking slap go, but it's been Uh. so
1: interesting.
2: But I was, he was talking about how, you know, oh, I bet he'll, you know, Will Smith will never work again. And I was like, honestly, I couldn't care less about this one man as opposed to the slew of other people, mm. other creeps, slime, who continue to rack in awards, who continue to have headlines exposing their awful, dirty ways, mm-hmm. and, you know, are, are raking in money. I, you know what, I firmly believe that there is no way you get to that level of power or that level of influence without sacrificing some morals. Mm. So to go off of that, when that that's what we're dealing with, and who is giving us, you know, what we're consuming? You're you're fucked either way. Um, genuinely, <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: you, that's a bitter you, bitter pill to swallow for sure. It really is. <laughs> um,
2: you know, because yes, you know, you want to root for Brendan Fraser, but ultimately he's getting paid by you know the same people who employed uh Harvey Weinstein or enabled Harvey Weinstein. Mm. You know, the the cycle continues. Um. And I just watched uh, a documentary the other day uh, called This Changes Everything. And while it is very much binary based and mm-hmm. talks about things from the female fem- uh, filmmaker's point of view.
1: the Reese Witherspoon and Gina Davis documentary, isn't it? Yeah, or am I th- yeah it is. Yes. Yeah, no, I saw that a few years ago now. And yeah, it's very yeah, much eye opening.
2: <laughs> it really was. And to have all of these really powerful, what we see as super powerful women um, being so bald about the you know uh shit they've gone through and continue to go through every Mm. day even as they were being interviewed um and we see it even now three years removed from when it was released but um yeah the the stuff that we are consuming it's it's all coming from that same place of mm. let's make money. Let's make money. Bottom line is money, money, money. Um, so yeah, unfortunately we're fucked. And we just <laughs> have to uh I guess impart our own morals where we feel yeah. applicable. And I guess that's where, you know, it becomes so uh polarizing for people in the mm. uh you know in the zeitgeist, I guess. Um because we regardless of what we're given you know hogs only have so much slop to to pick (laughs) from you you choose your slot at the trough and you stick to it so there are people who are like fuck it i'm not going to separate art from artist. Mm -hmm. like this is you know i'm not going to watch anything from aronofsky ever again i'm not going to watch a b and c um and then there are the people who are like I don't care. It's a movie. I'm just going to watch it. Mm. I don't care who made it. Like they don't want to engage. Um, but then there are those of us who in our <laughs> little, we're at the end of the trough, right. Where we get all of the leftovers. We're like, <laughs> I don't know, man, I'm just going to pick and choose and see, you know, what happens. And mm. if I don't like it, I'll, you know, we're, we're have to be a little more not have to, we've assumed the responsibility yeah. of what we consume. Um mm-hmm. And I think those other two camps of I'm just going to watch what I want to watch and I don't care. And I'm not going to watch anything from these people for this specific reason. I think, unfortunately, while we may want to sympathize with one or the other, they are both so siloed and mm. aren't imparting critical thinking.
1: 100%. Oh, that's such a good point. And also as well, it just shows the problem with binary thinking. If we exactly. just oppose <laughs> binaries and make make them all f- fuck off then things yeah, would be easier <laughs> exactly that's my you know that's my rally cry and um, but yeah I think like when it comes to this particular topic like where I tend to again it's something that I'm always like you know racking in my brain and like it's one of the reasons why I asked this question for this series because I just like I'm just like oh maybe someone else will give me a perspective that will kind of help me decide and <laughs> um, but where I tend to usually lie is that I think there's a difference between engaging with a piece of art as a piece of art and commercially supporting someone who is a sh- sh- shitty shitbag <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know so as in like you know i can completely like understand someone going you know what i really appreciate and enjoy like in- enjoy the artistic merit of rosemary's baby as a film but i'm not going to you know go and see any future polanski films like you know i think there's a difference So, in the flip side this is the one that i tend to return to a lot you know i'm not really gonna have you know much judgment for any other fellow queer or trans people who might somehow still find beauty or magic in the world of harry potter like you know it was something that was so impactful for so many people but someone who goes, yeah, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to buy the new Harry Potter game. Then I'm going to side eye you because that's a choice, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I think there is a difference, but again, it's just so nuanced and it's tricky. Um, but like,
2: well, and I think that's why these conversations are really important mm-hmm. because if we, you know, don't stand up to even our peers who say, I'm never going to watch anything from A, B and C directors. Um, if we don't, you know, just gently ask like, okay, but why not this movie that just came out? Like, what about, yeah. you know, what's happening in this movie? Do you not agree with? Is it just because of, you know, this person is a bad person? Or like, I I want to gently <laughs> ask others to interrogate why they come to these hardline decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, Not at all to judge them or to... Or to sway them or run. anything. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want to sway anyone. I certainly don't have no desire to be swayed. So I, you know, it's not, I'm not in that business. Um, But I, I just think we need to, like I said before, assume responsibility in some way for mm-hmm. what we are consuming, because no matter what we tell ourselves, we are internalizing at least some portion of what we're watching. Um, so if we continue to watch films made by, you know, directors, like uh you know convicted pedophiles or mm-hmm, you know
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that
2: if we continue to consume that media I'm sorry but at a, you know yeah everybody tells on themselves so mm-hmm. you're consuming something uh, um, yeah that's my personal preference um yeah I yeah, just no, feel like
1: you're not the only person like that's uh if I think you- I know who you're talking about if it's Victor Salva and the Jeepers Creepers films that's uh, been a recurring topic on with this question because it's a perfect example of it like um and i think a lot of people that i've asked this question for have used like it's a comparison between say a polanski and a salva because you know rosemary's baby and those early polanski films a lot of them were made before what he like essentially what he's doing what he's done happened whereas jeepers creepers the first film was made after Salva came out of serving time for being a con So that like that's why I, I don't even think there's any like even it doesn't like I don't care if someone's like, oh I only found out now. I'm just kinda like
0: it's yeah
1: those like you know, people gave a convicted pedophile money. And you can see like I've watched the first Jeepers Creepers film now again before I knew the information, but once that information came out, I I couldn't revisit it because of the fact that like I just remember like so much of it you can feel you can yes. feel that this is made by someone who has lecturers
2: so glad you <laughs> brought that up because I I did watch it uh, once or twice after I found out about yeah. that because how could you not find out about it after the movie mm. came out um so uh, you know I watched it a few times after and that just sinking feeling uh or like feeling like gross like yeah i feel like that is how rob zombie wants to make you feel in his movies mm. but doesn't necessarily hit that mark um but Which yeah, hopefully he...
1: it's because he's not a pedophile yeah,
2: I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's good news everywhere
2: um but, <laughs> but yeah when when you think about yeah it's just it's really hard um I, you get that feeling of this doesn't i no longer feel i guess safe uh watching this i don't like thinking about who was involved and who wasn't looking at the right time you know i think um in in being a consumer of media again i will always come back to this you have to fucking think about what Mm -hmm. you're about to watch yeah think about it i mean if you want to go in blind to something that's okay but again gauge where you're at and what what your limits are because if you want to play hero and you know walk into you know we're going to the world's fair without doing any background research okay that's fine um but take care like Mm. I don't know I don't want to say it's your fault if you get offended or you know you feel triggered or something like that because that's not you know empathetic um but if you're not going to take care of your own well-being before consuming these awful things i don't know that you have a place in this conversation about what Mm -hmm. responsibilities um filmmakers have
1: 100 percent. oh that's i'm just everything you're saying is just so eloquent and fantastic and i'm just like (laughs) thank you um but yes i'm just like it's just firing neurons in my brain there's so many places i can go Um, (laughs) and yeah it's so i love
2: talking to you i could do this all day
1: oh thank you yes likewise um (laughs) but no everything you're saying there is so accurate and i think that's really what it comes down to is again just people just need to turn on their fucking brains but also like stemming from that it's one of the reasons why i've launched like this podcast on my website the whole fishnets and philosophy shtick that i'm doing is because of the fact that i personally was like really disillusioned with philosophy and academia because like you know doing my master's like you know, it just noticed that to me, it like felt like so much of philosophy is about like, you know, staying in your ivory tower and kind of wagging your finger at society. And I'm just like, no, like philosophy is a subject that should be taught from the moment people can fucking think because there's a lack of critical thinking skills across the board and that needs to change. But then like, you know, I start going down that like route of like, Well, it's probably by design because if more people had critical thinking skills, they'd question the society we're in and they would probably revolt and they don't want, the people in power don't want that. So, and then I I just get depressed.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, despite all our rage, we're still just rats in a cage. And I just said that. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) No, that's brilliant. But um, like kind of like actually bringing it back to, Focusing specifically on horror films and um, which is kind of like you know going back to what why horror is, like we're going to talk about you know fictional fun horror, not real life nice. depressing horror, <laughs> <laughs> but like you mentioned like about earlier you touched on it how like so much of the you know the way we're engaging with things is linked to being online and stuff like that. it's just we can't separate it now. Like, this is something that I've noticed a lot on Twitter and in online spaces. And as I've been having these conversations with each guest, I've realized that there are actually people out there in the world who think like this. But there is this weird attitude of X film wasn't good because I was not scared. And I want to know what you think about that. Do you think a film has to be considered scary to be a good or effective horror film?
2: absolutely the fuck not like what yeah (laughs) I feel I feel strongly about this I I used to um host a podcast and uh with a co-host who believed this um and would bring it up almost every episode listen um horror isn't necessarily about scaring people yes that's Mm -hmm. a big fun element that's why we're all here we love to be scared but it (laughs) I'm like just the the things that horror digs into are so much more than jump scares or creepy faces in mm-hmm. the dark or, you know, it's not just about inciting fear. It's about exploring facets of you know, the human existence that aren't explored in other genres. And Mm -hmm. there's often, yes, a creepy, scary, otherworldly uh, element to that. And that's, you know, what lends to the horror genre, but it's, so much more than that and i wish i could you know i saw the questions you sent over um one of them was like define horror i was like i don't want to answer that <laughs>
0: um,
2: but you know with those elements of creepy uh, weird you know taboo that's what horror is horror mm. is not fear um if yes. anything it is everything but it is celebrating um taking on that power and taking back your courage um -hmm. so no I I think it's absolute bullshit and an out uh, or you know an easy out to say well it wasn't scary so it didn't it wasn't a good one no you just weren't paying attention you didn't want to engage with it um and you were there for a different reason than what you know I guess anybody else was um yeah so you learn a lot about why people watch things Mm -hmm. when you when you hear things like that um and you know that also allows me to judge them just a little bit
1: (laughs) yep yep Uh, and to
2: make my choices uh accordingly
1: (laughs) yep it's like hmm, I'm gonna spend less time around you (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) exactly but no it's and again it comes back to people just not critically engaging with what they're but they're consuming and like, you know, yeah, like, you know, I can completely relate to wanting to have your brain shut off just to watch something. That's fun. I get that. I love my schlocky B horror films that are just that they're just a fun ride. I adore them so much, but at the, <laughs> like, at the same time, you know, you know what you're going in for. So like, again, I'm still in a way critically engaging with it because I'm not expecting anything more. I'm just going in going, I, know exactly what I'm getting and then I think people just take that approach with everything and then if they don't get what they have up in their head it's all of a sudden not good and it's just like no you just had a different takeaway from it and like this is something as well that like you know and I've noticed this for myself but I think a lot of people forget about the fact that you know we are these emotionally driven you know bags of flesh like that's what we are (laughs) so sometimes you know if you've had a bad fucking day and it's the first time you're watching a movie it could be a bad experience for that movie that doesn't mean the movie was bad so I think there's like now I don't think anyone should have to revisit a movie that you know might not have worked for them because sometimes movies just don't work for you but I do think you know people should be like gently nudged or encouraged to maybe think what was my day like when I watched this movie
2: yeah if or, was, you know again like in with intent what yeah. what are you watching
1: <laughs> like I think exactly. that's just
2: so important um but yeah I'm sorry I didn't want to interrupt
1: no no that's perfect and it's like, like just as you said critically engage with it you know seek it you know know what you're watching and like you know I'm someone who like you know I don't watch trailers I don't like you know stuff like that because I like to go in blind in the sense of like narratively But I will do the research of like, oh, who's made this film and stuff like that. So that way I can make that decision of like, oh, that's someone, you know, who I haven't liked their work before, or that's someone who's basically very problematic and it's like you know what i don't necessarily want to financially support that person but i still in general will like avoid trailers and mute the words of films i know i want to watch because i don't like i i don't personally don't understand the discourse before a film comes out i'm just like no just what wait like why do you want to talk and discuss a film before you're watching it i don't understand it well
2: that's my whole thing with this don't worry darling bullshit Mm. like
1: just
2: (laughs) You're all upset because Harry Styles is in a relationship. Like, <laughs> calm down. Um, and like, you know, there are other reasons people, you know, say they're concerned and whatnot. But the movie hasn't come out. Like, what? Because you're, you know, you're already seeing like a flood of reviews come in that um, I feel would not be as negative had mm. the discourse around it not come out beforehand. Mm. Um, so that's the risk too. Like you said, like, you know, why? Do we feel certain ways about movies? Um, what were we experiencing at the time? And taking that, you know, into account, it's just, yeah. Uh, Um, the, it's breathtaking. Like I said, the refusal to be present, um, Mm -hmm. when, when consuming anything. Um, so, it, it makes sense that people want more of the lifetime movies. They yeah. want more of the sanitized sex scenes yeah. for some reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they want to be catered to, they want mm-hmm. to be told it's going to be okay. And that's why horror has been so great at showing others like, no, it's not okay, yeah. but you're not alone.
1: Exactly. Um, and it can and be, be done differently what... and stuff like that. And actually that's such a good point about, you know, people are like not really being as present when with the media that they're consuming or watching, because especially if, you know, for the amount of people that like say are not going to the cinema as often because the cinema forces you to be present. Mm -hmm. Whereas like if you're watching a movie for the first time at home, everyone has a smartphone at hand. So like, how do you know how much like you've actually missed from a film or a show because you glance at your phone or you're scrolling twitter and yeah i just again it comes down to i just wish people were more actually uh, you know aware of themselves when they're watching a movie like as in like oh i've just realized i've been scrolling twitter that probably means the movie is not working for me so i can't really have that much of a takeaway from it and stuff like that so yeah there's just people just need to turn their brains on more that's what it is but going back to uh you know the whole like you know does a horror film need to be scary like you know everyone's scared by different things as well like you know so what what scares you I could sit through without an issue and vice versa so like that's why I never understand that argument or even like you know if we take it from the fact that most of these comments are coming from people who like us watch horror dogmatically like it's our main genre we don't really engage with anything else like it's the main thing we seek out and watch so if someone watches like and like that's the thing you can, I also think that a lot of these people who make these comments probably only watch studio horror and not necessarily mm-hmm. indie horror because like you know, you're clearly not educating yourself. But (laughs) um, if we think, like, take studio horror, for example, if you take, like, the Conjuring universe or the Insidious universes Mm -hmm. or stuff like that, so many of those films revolve around specific beats and specific types of jump scares. If you're a horror fan who's always watching horror, you'll predict them. That doesn't mean it's not effective. It's just you have the experience of it, so you've seen it coming. Therefore, it didn't work or it didn't scare you whereas if you t- take the person next to you in the screen who isn't a regular horror watcher that scene could be really scary and again it comes down to people are just not turning their brains on
2: <laughs> yes oh my god i could not have said it better that was such a fantastic point i mean you know it reminds <laughs> me of um in college i had a boyfriend and i went home to you know meet his parents uh, for the weekend, and the first night there, for some reason, they were like, "Hey, let's watch The Hills Have Eyes." Um, Two thousand seven. Oh, what, what a random
1: family <laughs> bonding film. <laughs>
2: I had seen it, of course. So I was like, all right, let's go. I'm game. Um, But, you know, at a certain point in the night, I'm around strangers. Like my boyfriend's not really paying attention to me. So I just pretend to fall asleep because I'm over it. Like, I don't care. And then like 10 to 15 minutes later, his mom leans over and goes, who falls asleep during something like this? Who could do that? (laughs) It was just such a validating moment, Um, but it was also a great example of, for me, it was just like, fine, yeah, people in the hills, cool, machete, (laughs) like, you know, violence, Um, but for these people who had five kids and had just gotten over Doc McStuffins, like, this was really big, um, life-altering stuff, but I just, I love that point where things aren't scary for the same people that's what makes horror such vast beautiful genre Mm -hmm. um it really i love going in blind to um excuse me going in blind to horror movies and just trying to figure out okay what subgenre is this going to be Mm -hmm. what what's going you know that it to me is just part of the experience scary or not 100%
1: and definitely and actually just on the mention of subgenre this is one of my favorite questions to kind of ask as well because like I just love everyone's different types of answers to it so for yourself like what are your favorite subgenres of horror but more importantly why like as in for each of these subgenres that are your go-tos like what is it you're getting from it why do you turn to these specific subgenres?
2: So I'll start with monsters. Um and more specifically I'll I'll open with uh the universal monsters. Mm. Um my biggest like number one favorite uh universal monster is Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um because of the simple line, you know, we belong dead. Um that really resonated with me when I was young as a suicidal teenager mm-hmm. and for feeling like I was brought here without, you know, my consent and now everybody hates me and it sucks. <laughs> um, so it was huge for me Um, and seeing that throughout monster movies, the othering, you know, that we talk about a lot mm-hmm. with queer people, the. Um, angst uh you know like in um ginger snaps uh or you know even jennifer's body the monster element allows those characters to let out their inner self um Mm -hmm. which you know is a, a big theme uh that really resonates with a lot of people and so you know that really was part of something i didn't even make the connection until i was an adult um that really stuck with me and i adored so vampires werewolves all the whole thing that is my jam i mm-hmm. love it um and i think kind of somewhat hand in hand is the good for her uh subgenre mm. right yep. um so up until recently uh you know the midsummer um or mm. you know um One of my favorite films uh, out of 2020, I think it came out, was uh, Promising Young Woman. I consider that a horror movie because it is Mm. absolutely terrifying. Um, But those films where you finally see these people who are told to shut up and just go with it, you know, their whole lives finally reclaiming themselves. So. I, I mean, gosh, my inner child is really showing its ass um, in, in this episode. But yeah, those, those two are really big for me in terms of what deeply resonates with my soul. Um, but in terms of like, I'm going to watch that because it looks really cool. Um, found footage, of course. I, mm. I don't know a single person. Well, I do know a few people who like don't enjoy just the mindfuck of a good found film.
1: Mm. oh yeah and I'm loving like both the you know emphasis on like you know monsters and those kind of creatures like the classic type of monsters and also the kind of like resonant kind of good for her ones because again I think that comes back to and it's something that I saw like you tweet like a few weeks ago maybe and it was just something that I just loved but it was like that statement of horror is inherently queer and I just think like it's no wonder these are the type of films that we return to as like queer horror fans because it's what we engage with but it was actually um, in a discussion with a different guest when we were again talking about this topic and favorite subgenres and stuff like that it kind of like dawned on me that one of the reasons, like, one of the subgenres that, like, both always, like, gets under my skin, but I always kind of, like, turn to is body horror. And I realised that one of the reasons, like, that it actually does squick me out so much is because of the fact that up until two years ago, when I realised that I was genderqueer and non-binary and had the knowledge to kind of understand that, up until that point, my body was the location of horror for me. So, like when I watch these films, like it's an extra level of horror underneath it because it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that <laughs> that type of thing. And it's like, and like also as well, when it comes specifically to philosophy, I very much fall under the camp of Merleau Ponty that we are embodied beings and embodied creatures. You know, fuck Descartes. We're not this separate weird mind thing. We are very much, our bodies and sometimes our bodies aren't what we want it to be. And that's something that does cause a horror and it causes a disconnect with who we are. And, and also I liked your point, uh, just kind of talking about your past of like, you know, I didn't choose to be here, like very Heideggerian, like very much Heidegger like (laughs) these big points about, Hey, we didn't choose to be born. We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose our name. None of this stuff we had any say in, and that's something that you have to basically spend the rest of your life reconciling with, and it is—it's one of those things yeah. that gets under your skin. Um, but yes, uh, horror is inherently queer, everybody. If you know, it truly is, and in addition,
2: to, yes, well, and in addition to being inherently queer, horror is inherently disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters that we have been shown throughout horror history to fear often have some sort of disability. Mm. Um, and uh, over time now, you know, I think even starting, you know, in the early 2000s, which to me, when I think about the early 2000s, I do not imagine that. <laughs> um, mm. But we're seeing a lot more sympathy toward um, or these quote unquote, villains who were villainized because they were different, um, mm. which I guess, you know, lends itself back to Frankenstein and the monster uh, movies. But I am seeing, and I just want to say like, fuck for horror because we're mm. seeing so much more empathy on screen because of horror.
0: Yeah, um,
2: There's a lot more turning our brains on. There's a lot more consideration um, that we're seeing on screen, especially in indie horror. Mm-hmm. Um you know i i don't know how india would be considered but the new um slumber party massacre i mm. mean i oh just, yes uh,
1: it feels just underrated because there's i i feel like there's not that many people who are aware it exists or something like that even so I think yeah it
2: got really yeah i think it got the the cold shoulder because it was a sci-fi movie um mm. which to me is just like that's that's the shit. Like, <laughs> you watch those sci-fi movies
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good and it was so, like it subverted everything it was like one of my favorites I've watched recently it was like really good and um, but yes and actually kind of coming back to that about how horror is just like you know really kind of profoundly empathetic or it's causing this profound empathy it's something that I've said a lot during this series because I just think it's so incredibly true but the author Joe Hill also known as Joe Hillstrom King son of Stephen King he's known for you know repeatedly saying that you know horror isn't about eliciting fear it's about eliciting profound empathy like that's what successful horror is and that comes back to like you know us saying earlier that horror doesn't have to be scary it doesn't have to elicit fear it has to elicit a response and you know if it makes you feel empathy towards the characters then you'll feel the fear because you care about what they're going through you know and like that's why I kind of like think and like this kind of harks back to like one of the questions that I have which is there is this kind of certain subset of horror fans and that they bemoan the state of this modern horror like they don't like that our horror is empathetic now you know they kind of like say this whole thing like they don't make any good horror anymore um and I think this like harkens back to if you look at like you know even though they're great fun the you know the Friday the 13th films the Nightmare on Mm. Elm Streets, all those ones but so many of those characters were disposable characters because they weren't they were just one-dimensional they didn't have any there wasn't anything for you to feel for them, so you just wanted to see them get off. And yes. it's something that I think horror fans that would have been, like, say, coming into the start of their horror journey when those films were out, I don't know, it feels like to me, I'm just like, maybe they can't relate to having to feel for the characters on screen.
2: <laughs> right. Well, that, and I also think that, you know, people who were introduced to horror films as those movies were coming out i think those were drive-in movies right Mm. those were movies that you know it was a social thing it wasn't necessarily uh something to consume for thought it um but as we you know have moved forward in horror history we're seeing more i guess like the intentional the the sit down and pay attention to this because it's Mm. saying something it has a statement um and i think the people who are complaining or you know feel now (laughs) that (laughs) um (laughs) that horror isn't as good because of this empathy or this I guess, wokeness. Um oh.
1: I, <laughs> that, That's a I, term that can go in the bin.
2: <laughs> absolutely. 100%. Never say it again. <laughs> but I think when, when people bemoan the state of horror now, they're really saying, I don't know what to do with this anymore. Like, mm. I don't know what to make of it. It's not the same. Like what they're, they're more so expressing frustration that they can no longer, I guess, relate or, Appreciate something as it used to be. Um, Mm -hmm. and just like with, you know, everything else, those damn kids, um, you know, we all get stuck in our ways. We all have Mm -hmm. expectations. Um, and I think there are a lot of those people from the generation that would have grown up with the Friday the 13th who got with the program and realized Mm -hmm. that, oh, better films are coming about as we introduce more empathetic characters. Um, and I think, you know, it's just so cool to see people now identifying with these characters or, or mm. not with the, the older characters like the Friday the 13th characters or anything like that, but with the more modern ones because they're better fleshed out. Yes. They have more dimension to them. So people are saying, yeah, I'm a Kirby. I'm a, mm. you know, whoever the fuck, a Jennifer, uh, I'm a neat, whatever. Um, yeah. Those kinds of people, we're seeing ourselves in them. And mm-hmm. I think... That also lends itself to, you know, the, the awesome boom that's happening in horror right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a week that goes by at this moment in time that there isn't some new horror content, uh, being released. 100%. So, yeah. I think, um, you know, in that movie I talked about, this changes everything. Uh, Reese Witherspoon said it just makes good economic sense, um, to be more empathetic, to create more, engaging characters mm. and storylines um and to move forward with where society is really pushing us um in terms of being more present and intentional
1: 100 oh and also just like what a fantastic quote as well that's so cool right. and that's so great but yes yeah, so much there and actually just like before i bring up the last kind of closing off question i, I do I like how you said you know deep you know this type of horror fan, like you know, they can't really relate, like to what's ha- like going on. So it's just like, and I'm just like in my head, I'm just like, yeah, that's probably because, like you know, they're a cisgender straight white man, and that's not go. the main focus of what's happening right now. And they're, they're just the ones like,
2: getting killed nowadays. Yeah,
1: they're just like, I don't like it, and it's just like, yeah, well, we've had enough of you for a long time, so exactly. you know, sit down and put your soother in. <laughs> yeah. Sit
2: down and watch this rat boy get his head cut off, and exactly. you're gonna like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're gonna like yep 100 percent. so just as a nice kind of closing off question this is always the one i kind of like to try and wrap things up with but what are your comfort horror films i know we probably touched on a few of them but if you've had like a shitty day shitty week which films do you turn to because you know you're gonna have a good time with it
2: recently one that i am very quick to turn on and has surprised me is uh five cream scream 2022 mm. um <sighs> To me, that is, they did such a great job recreating the vibe of like really mm. shoveling in popcorn to your face while watching a movie because you just want to see what happens next. Like the, that was just, I, I love that movie. Um, yeah. whether or not, you know, the plot is, you know, <laughs> super solid or anything like that, that doesn't really matter to me. It just, that's a franchise that says horror to me because Mm. you can see the growth in horror as that franchise progresses. And I hope it continues until I die. (laughs)
1: 100% I, I don't want Scream to go away. It's like one of my favorite franchises. And like, it's just... And I also think Scream Four is a film that's slept on a lot, oh I think my that's God, yes. so much better. I just than watched that again it...
2: last night. Yep, yeah,
1: again, like it, people don't give the credit it deserves. Um, but yes, that's a franchise that I think has been one of the probably most consistent ones, just because tonally it feels the same throughout. Even Scream Five, like yes, there was a lot less, there was more new blood, but it still felt like a Scream film, and not because of the legacy characters just because of the tone of the film and then similarly it's another reason why Chucky is one of my favorite franchises because that has been one of the most consistent horror franchises and it's just so much fun (laughs)
2: yeah and that's another great example of a franchise that has grown Mm. with its audience and that's just so important to know your audience and that goes back to what I said about you know creators and viewers having that respect for each other um mm-hmm. and consistency is a big part of that
1: 100 percent. so and um, five scream or five cream is one of the <laughs> com- comfort ones that you have on at the moment are they any are there any others like classics or more new ones that oh, are yeah. just go-tos for you
2: so Black Sabbath and Black Sunday. Um, mm. I love a, love my Bava. I'll never give them <laughs> up. Um, <laughs> uh, so those are huge for me as well as, like I said, um, Jennifer's body is huge. Mm. I feel like you can't talk to a 30 plus year old woman um, and not hear Jennifer's body come out, you know, in an hour span at mm-hmm. least three times. I mean, uh, not that I've come across.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and also that's another film that I, I'm so happy to see it getting reappraised as yes. the great film it is because again that was a film that did not like it wasn't treated well at the time because of Megan and Fox and again like going back to this changes everything the way women in Hollywood and in cinema are treated by the media and everyone else that caused the film like Jennifer's Body not to be respected at the time so yes I'm glad that it's now treated as like a proper cult classic because it's fantastic.
2: <laughs> How cool is that, though, to see in real time, in Mm. our lifetime, the appreciation and point of view of how things are, uh, I guess, lauded changes. Mm. Um, Because I remember I went to see Jennifer's body in theaters and everybody was shitting on it afterward. And I was like, this was like one of the best things I've ever seen. Like, this is Mm. way surpassed what I expected. But because, you know, it was a highly masculine industry um and Mm. a highly disgusting one you know it was more about well why was she a monster where like why wasn't there you know they made out why wasn't there more of that like Mm. stuff (laughs) like that and you know and and that at we saw that point of view turn into well good for her and now it's you know a huge um movie in in pop culture and i think it's because of us you know, femmes who were like, no, actually, you didn't get it.
1: (laughs) Mm. Actually, I like that comment about being able to see it in real time, how it's changed. It's interesting, like, if you think about it, like, Jennifer's Body as a film, like, came out during that era, where horror was more mean, and Mm -hmm. wasn't as empathetic, and wasn't as didn't have as fleshed out characters so it's like it feels like it was almost a film that was ahead of the trend like maybe the reason it's been re-appreciated now is because of the fact that we are in this golden age of empathetic horror of like we've now appreciated like the films we're getting are just so good in so many ways that like it's made people kind of look back at other films and appreciate them for what they were or see things in films that they didn't see before. Like, for example, the Saw franchise is getting like a reappraisal now too. As in people are oh, kind of cool. going, yeah, it's a convoluted mess most of the time. But underneath the surface, it's actually saying things that we didn't give it credit for. Which, to my listeners, if you haven't already known, I have an entire Saw deep dive franchise Series with Ariel Show. so go back and listen to that. Hey. <laughs> but as a nice kind of closing off question before I let you go, and I won't take up more of your evening. And um, but where? What's your hope for the future of horror? Like, do you are you hopeful that we are going to continue to go more empathetic, more progressive, more diverse, or and like did, I, I don't know, like there's a very small pessimistic side of me that's fearing like you know a regressive swing back like I didn't mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping it won't happen but part of me is I don't know given politically the rise of nationalism and all this type of bullshit like I'm <laughs> fearing it will occur in my favorite baby of horror and I hope it won't but what's your hopes for the future of horror
2: so uh unfortunately history does repeat itself and like we saw a huge uh I guess bump in horror and uh, progress i guess Mm. in horror in the 90s we also had the aughts that like you said were not kind they were very mean and the messaging um wasn't in our favor certainly as queers but Mm. now we're um just had a good 10-year span of huge growth and huge progress in terms of who we're seeing on screen, why we're seeing them on screen mm-hmm. and for how long. Um <laughs> so I I don't doubt that at some point we will see another regressive period like the aughts where it's t- just not kind and the wrong people are uh, in power and funding uh movies and All of that stuff. Um, But my hope is that we continue to see this progress. And I am not going to set my expectations for how far or how Mm. much or what it looks like. I am simply going to root for it and root for the people who are making concerted efforts to do so. Um, mm-hmm. because I think if we try to say, well, this is what I want to see, and this is how I want to see it, um, we're putting ourselves in a box and setting ourselves up for disappointment. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I think the the great filmmakers we have right now are huge innovators and uh, proponents of lifting up other filmmakers. Yes. Uh, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what that produces. I mean, we've already got Oh gosh, the, the writer director of So Vam, and I I hate that I forgot her. Alice name, Mayo
1: Mackay. Yes, yeah.
2: yes, Alice Mackay, Yes. Um Mackey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Um like and only that, 17. I
1: mean, right?
2: How cool is that? <laughs> How beautiful is that shit. Like, I want so much more of that. And I want Alice Mackay to continue to encourage other younger filmmakers to go after it because what do you have to lose, and and what 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 could possibly hurt in helping other people feel seen?
1: Mm, and what a beautiful like strong note to kind of close out on there so before I let you go once again thank you so much for joining <laughs> me again it's been such a fun conversation and I could talk for hours but I don't I think there's only a length of time people can go with podcasts <laughs> they're just like i um, a 10 hour podcast I'm not sure if that's my thing um, <laughs> and so one be- day we'll get there <laughs> I'll make it happen and um, before <laughs> I let you go where can people find you find your podcast and support your work
2: um, so if you want to find any of my stuff, you can just follow me on Twitter at some hag in black, all one word. And I think I don't have to say that, but, but I'm somewhat older now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's where you'll find uh, links to my podcast and links to um, find the anthology. Hear us scream. Volume two is coming out closer to Halloween.
1: Yay! Amazing. Oh, well. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to my listeners, keep your eyes and ears peeled for future episodes in my Why Horror series.